Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. The topic today is Domain Name System Security, and we're talking about the government agenda. Our guests are Mark Beckett, Vice President of Marketing and Product Management with Secure64, and John Thomas Flynn, Technology Consultant and former CIO with the states of California and Massachusetts. Mark, John, thanks so much for joining me today. Glad to be here, Tom. Mark, when we're talking about domain name system security extensions, what exactly are we talking about, and why is this area of security so important to public sector CISOs? Well, I think uh, before we talk about DNSSEC, or domain name system security extensions, we probably need to talk about the, the DNS itself, which is the domain name system. So the DNS is really the, it's usually uh, described as the phone book of the Internet, the thing that we use, uh, all computer systems use to look up uh, the names of servers we might want to communicate with, and the DNS returns the IP address of that server. So whenever we visit a website or send an email to somebody, we're using the DNS behind the scenes to translate uh, a, a server name, like www.mysite.com, into an IP address that our computers can understand. Uh, so DNSSEC is adding critically needed security to the DNS protocols themselves. So the DNS was designed quite a while ago, and uh, back in those days we just weren't worrying about security too much. Uh, and we didn't worry about it for quite a long time until about 2008 when we discovered a major flaw in the security protocols of the DNS. Uh, and DNSSEC are the extensions to the, those original DNS protocols that adds the security that we need to make sure that when we go to a website or when we send an email, we're sending it to the server we intend to be talking to and not uh, some imposter. Mark, what do you find to be most at risk for public sector organizations? Well, like any organization, public sector organizations have... Yeah, they use the, the internet. They use they have websites. Uh, we use email to communicate with uh, uh, the citizens of uh, their state or locality. And uh, so, if the DNS is vulnerable, uh, if it can be compromised, then uh, if I'm a uh, citizen of my state and I'm going to, for example, submit my uh, my state tax return online. Or, or otherwise communicate with, uh, with my state government online. Uh, and if an attacker could essentially um, hijack uh, the web server uh, of the state that I think I'm talking to when I try to submit my tax return uh, so that I'm sen actually sending it to a place I don't intend to, that's really bad news. Um, and so uh, this is not unique to public sector organizations, but any public sector that is organization that is using uh, the internet to try to uh, improve communication or you know lower costs of of, of running e-government essentially and has got to worry about the security of those communications and so uh, DNSSEC is important for for them just as it is for uh, other organizations as well. Well, let's put ourselves in the CISO's perspective. What does the CISO need to be considering when thinking about deploying DNSSEC? Well, if if uh, if a CSISO would look at this and say, look, I need to add security to the DNS, it's critically important to secure this basic protocol, 
they would basically have uh, several different options on how they could deploy it. Uh, those options range from uh, using uh, free uh, open source tools to deploy DNSSEC uh, to uh, outsourcing it to a third party or using commercial products to deploy DNSSEC. But regardless of the approach that they might uh, consider taking, uh, they really need to be thinking about a few critical things. Uh, DNSSEC, first of all, is fairly complicated. And so you have to ask the question, you know, do I have the, the knowledge or skills uh, on my staff, or can I, can I get that quickly uh, in order to understand what this thing is and how to deploy it? Uh, a second consideration is, do I really have the staff to actually implement it? So it's one thing to understand it, but it's a, yet another thing to actually implement the intersect. It can be uh, complex and it can be time consuming. Uh, and so you really need to look at your staffing and say, you know, do I have the, the resources that it's going to take to deploy it and keep it deployed? Uh, because it is not a you know, do it once and then forget about it kind of a solution. It requires constant care and feed. So those are a couple of important considerations for any are looking at deploying DNSSEC to consider upfront. Now, I know you've got experience with, with government in federal, state, and local. What have some of these sectors experienced when they've implemented DNSSEC? Well, as you mentioned, Tom, we have been fortunate to work with a number of federal and state and uh, local uh, governments, and we've seen a few common themes running through them. Um, one is the, the realization, especially as these organizations start investigating DNSSEC and what it, uh, what's involved in deploying it, uh, they realize that this is not a simple thing. And they, they look at the, uh, the resources that it takes to actually deploy it uh, using you know, traditional open source tools that are available to everybody. Um, and another thing they realize is that it, um, it, it takes quite a bit of time. So it's resources and you know, for a great period of time to do the initial deployment and then to maintain it. Uh, and then the last thing is that um, they realize sometimes a little bit uh, you know, the hard way that if they make a mistake in their deployment that the um, consequences are fairly severe. They can take all their, their websites and all their email servers effectively offline uh, if they make a mistake. So, for example, we've been working with the Commonwealth of Virginia who started off doing uh, some good due diligence on DNSSEC. Uh, they investigated deploying it using... Uh, a, commonly available open source tools. Uh, after they to it, they realized that it was going to take them quite a bit of time to deploy it and that it was going to take quite a bit of staff uh, to uh, keep it running. Um, and they also realized that, you know, if they, you know, made a mistake, then it could be uh, fairly uh, catastrophic for them. So they looked around. Eventually, they chose uh, Secure64's product to automate the deployment. And so they were able to do it in a very short period of time. They were able to avoid having to add that one to one and a half uh, full-time people uh, to keep uh, DNSSEC running. Uh, and they also, because it's now automated, don't have any uh, you know, risk of uh, making a mistake that could be fairly catastrophic for them. Now, John, from a state's perspective, what's driving new investments in DNSSEC? Well, I think there is the serious implications to the issue are probably number one. Um, you know, the idea of having a, a breach, uh, losing data, having passwords and interception, you know, the things that uh, Mark has just uh, 
elaborating on, um, system crashes, et cetera. These are, you know, CIO clear is over kinds of implications for these types of events. So that's one thing. Uh, but certainly I think there's the uh, formal interest of the federal government, the Federal Information Security Management Act, FISMA, requires DNS security compliance and required it uh, several years ago now. Uh, the federal government agencies are uh, somewhat slow in, in implementing this, but uh, there is a uh, there certainly is a watch and a scorecard on their compliance, and and states take that seriously. In fact, many states, uh, uh, Virginia is a good example, felt that the uh, the way that the, uh, the federal government business requirements were written and the fact that the state governments are such large grantees of federal funds. That sooner or later, just like with the year 2000, the implications are, are that uh, uh, state federal programs uh, that are being operated and administered by state governments are going to make uh, the the duckguns of the of the state and local governments in play, and consequently, that's why they're looking at compliance. So you have states like Virginia, you have states like Idaho, states like Vermont. In California, seriously uh, looking at implementing it, and uh, several have done so, and I'm sure we're going to see more in the future as we talk to some of our uh, my former colleagues with, uh, at CIO and CISO level. John, what do you find to be the key barriers that these organizations have to overcome? Well, I think it's just about like any kind of uh, IT investment. In, these, uh, in, in this day and age, there's certainly a a constraint on state and local budgets, uh, particularly as they, uh, uh, as we're trying to cut programs and cut jobs, cut teachers, cut cops. Uh, it's very difficult for IT leadership to go in and ask for more money, so they've got to get, got to get a little more creative. Uh, and certainly, uh, they have to be able to uh, uh, make the powers that be not only with their CIO but with the uh, uh, folks in the budget office that uh, there's serious implications. It used to be it really wasn't that uh, that critical, for example, if online services went down to the states because there were so few of them. But now you have states that are uh, receiving tens of millions of dollars a day in revenues and payments through uh, their information technology systems, and this would, put a, this would put a huge burden on them if there was a disruption. So uh, they've got to learn to be able to overcome those barriers by talking to the right people, prioritizing their investments, and understanding the implications of what would happen if there was a serious breach. John, you mentioned budget. That's a huge hurdle. What are some of the ways that DNSSEC initiatives can be funded? What have you seen work? Well, there's the normal way. It's just every year there's a certain amount of projects that ends and new, new, new ones that will begin. And consequently, again, you have to prioritize these, uh, these new information technology initiatives and make sure the ones related to security are front and foremost when you start prioritization. Uh, secondly, you've got to look at other options. Uh, most of these data centers that are become the, uh, the centerpiece, if you will, for DNS security implementations, most of them operate in a chargeback environment where they charge different agencies, uh, you know, for each bite of the pie in terms of hosting their applications. Well. You know, it's uh, a lot easier to have for a shared service to be flooded in that respect than coming up with brand new money, which spread, uh, which would not be spread about, but would be concentrated within the uh, the data center budget. And then, of course, you've got some very interesting implications for states that are taking a look at uh, grant funding. For example, the state of California was very successful; got over a million dollars last year in uh, a federal grant, Homeland Security grant under the uh, uh, State Homeland Security Program, SHHP, 
which funds their implementation, which is in the process of being, uh, the procurement is about to occur here in uh, Sacramento. So there's different ways to do it, uh, but like anything else, unless you can make your business case for it, it's going to be difficult to do so. And this falls directly on the CISO and, and, uh, you know, in in many respects to their bosses, which are usually the CIO. One thing I did mention up front, John, is you're the former president of NASIO, the National Association of State CIOs. Could you explain for us, please, NASIO's role in championing DNS security? The NASIO has become a very sophisticated organization over the last 10 or 15 years. I remember when I was uh, CIO in Massachusetts back in the mid-90s, uh, there was there wasn't a CIO, and arguably I became one of the first CIOs in the country uh, when I was in Massachusetts. But now you find a forty or fifty, uh, forty to forty-five states have uh, have a CIO, and most of them are cabinet level. And consequently, uh, the NASIO has taken on a much greater role, uh, not only with the states, but vis-a-vis their relationship with the federal government. And there is a standing uh, subcommittee on security that's been in uh, in effect going back to when uh, Connecticut CIO Rock Reagan was in charge. And their their group is made up not, membership is made up not only of the state CIOs, but they have a subcommittee on privacy and security, of which many of the state CISOs around the country are actual members, and they're attending the NASIO events and very active in their monthly calls. So uh, in speaking with the representatives from the subcommittee recently, DNS security is right on their radar, and it has been uh, uh, it has been elevated, I think, because of their uh, close relationship with the federal government, and again, uh, through the implications from the, the SISMA and uh, how it affects the federal government and how it will affect anybody that's receiving federal grant funding. So NASA will play a major role in this, a great source of information, a great source of collaboration, and uh, we expect to see more and more of that at the NATIO conference uh, next week in Washington, D.C., as a matter of fact. Oh, very good. Well, that's been great insight. Let's bring this down to some closing thoughts now. John, why don't you start first? If you could boil it down to some advice, where would you say is the best starting point to tackle this topic of DNSSEC? Well, I think we first realized that this is, that more than likely, this is in the purview and the portfolio of the Chief Information Security Officer. And, and uh, in most cases in the states, they report to the CIO. So it's very important that the CISO forms a strong partnership and relationship with their boss and use that to educate. Because at this like with year 2000, it wasn't just the IT folks that needed to uh, educate. It was the program people and the budget people to realize the implications of a DNS security breach. We have lost data and password interception, and even a systems crash, and what that means to the state in this high-tech age. And finally, I think you have to be able to push this issue to the top in, in terms of your priorities. That's the way you're going to get funding. Uh, grants are nice, but they take a while. Uh, chargebacks, the same old. If it's important and if, it's, if, it's, uh, if the education is done properly, people are going to realize this has to be funded. And certainly the way to do this, again, is identifying the problem, coming up with a solution for it, and having the funding made available, you're going to get this problem solved. That's well said. Mark, let me turn this back to you. Your closing thoughts. Where would you advise is the best starting point? Well, I agree with what uh, what John said, and I think education is uh, is critically important. Uh, in, in many cases, uh, there's uh, sort of a, a general awareness of that you know that DNSSEC is out there, but not uh, not very much uh, 
more detailed knowledge about it. And I think if you're going to prioritize uh, ENSEC against all of the other things that uh, are uh, contending for limited resources, you really need to understand, you know, what it is and what the problems it's solving and what the risks of those, uh, you know, those vulnerabilities in the DNS are for your organization if you're going to do that prioritization that John was talking about. So sir, there's a, a wealth of resources out on the Internet. Uh, it's, uh, one one uh, particular set of things I know of that Secure64 has done, we've put some short YouTube videos out on the Internet. If you go to YouTube and just search on Secure64, uh, you'll find uh, a number of short videos that just explain what the vulnerabilities are and, and uh, what DNSSEC is and how it works. And that's certainly a good starting point. There are a wealth of other resources, I think, out there as well if you just search on DNSSEC. That's excellent insight. The topic has been Domain Name System Security. We've been talking with Mark Beckett, Vice President of Marketing and Product Management with Secure64, and John Thomas Flynn, the former CIO of the States of California, in Massachusetts. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.